we're looking forward to the musical tonight. And as we will share together, God with us. Hope you'll be here at 6 o'clock. It's not too late to bring a friend and uh, to be a part of this. Children, if you'll come uh, for your uh, worship time, for our worship care for our children at this time. That is great. Thank you very much. And let me just put a, uh, just a little word on to what um, JB said a while ago about the pastor search team. Um, you know, I was reminded I wasn't the first choice of First Baptist Prattville either. All right? I wasn't the first choice. And, um, but the, it's interesting, but I was the right choice in God's, in God's way of looking at it. And the man that was their right choice wound up in another spot, and he also served about 30 years where he was and just recently retired himself. God has a plan, and uh, we, we know he has a plan for Elkdale and for the right man. So I just want to put my little word on that as well, that um, God's always in control of this, and we look forward to what he has special. And as we also think about uh, this, this Christmas season and what God has prepared for us, let's take our Bibles and let's turn to Luke chapter 1, also Matthew chapter 1. We're going to be kind of going back and forth in those scriptures again, kind of like we did a couple of weeks ago. And we specifically want to uh, look this morning at Christmas tells us, do not be afraid. Christmas tells us, do not be afraid. While you're looking up the passage of scriptures, uh, let me just share a story about something that happened a couple of years ago. It was out in Oregon, on the coast of Oregon, and um, there was uh, two men, and they lived side by side uh, with their families, and their wives and children decided to go shopping. They decided they were going to go sailing. And so they went out sailing on a, on a particular Saturday, and while they were out sailing, they got caught in a storm. Just an unexpected storm came up, and so they started back uh, toward shore, back toward harbor, and they wound up in the, with all the wind and the waves and all of that. They wound up on a sandbar. And so they got out of their boat. They tried to push uh, their, their sailboat off, the, uh, off that sandbar. They're, they're deep in sand. The, the waves are just beating them against the, the hull of the ship. And in an enthusiastic way, one of the men turned the other. He says, this sure beats shopping, doesn't it? <laughs> and, and some of you may feel that way here at Christmas. You know, whatever, whatever the choices you may have, uh, you, you may enjoy what you do. The wives, children may do that. Men, you may enjoy shopping as well. But whatever it is, I hope things are going well for you this Christmas season. As we think about Christmas, and it's Christmas time, and the message, don't be afraid, let me, let me just share with you that all of us have some sort of fears. Fear is natural. There's over 600 fears in the world, 600 plus fears. And some people have fears, and maybe it's spiders, maybe it's um, you're claustrophobic, you don't want to be in small places. Um, it, it could be a, a number of th different things. Public speaking is the number one fear that people have, just getting up and talking uh, before a crowd. But there are also regional fears and seasonal fears. People have fears like during this time of the year uh, where they're going to have enough money for Christmas gifts and meeting out people's expectations, maybe buying the right gift or, or maybe a, a better gift or having family uh, having family into your home or going to visit family that maybe have different viewpoints, maybe have different political views, maybe have different views about life or even the Christian faith. And, and so we have those seasonal fears that come to us. Well, in the passage of Scripture we're going to be looking at this morning, we're going to be looking at angels that have come and will ha have come and to four different incidences in our, our Christmas narrative. 
And in, in each of the cases, they bring a big message. They bring a big message, but they close it or introduce it actually by saying, don't be afraid. Now let me remind you a couple of things about angels. First of all, when we think of angels, remember they are created beings of God. Angels are not human. They, they are not human. Uh, I like what one man said. He, he said, you know, my wife's an angel. She's always harping about something. She's always up in the air about something. And she never has an earthly thing to wear. All right? And so I'm in trouble now with all the women, I'm sure. All right? But contrary to it's a wonderful life, Clarence, you know, it, that's, that's not realistic with Clarence and that wonderful movie that we enjoy every year. It's a wonderful life. No, angels are created beings of God. When, when a human dies, they don't become angels, all right? But we need to keep that in mind. Special creation for God. And the second thing about them is they are messengers of God. They are messengers of God. They're the ones that bring uh, the, the mail, in a sense, deliver the, the mail for God to people. And they're there to protect people. They're there to uh, deliver them uh, in times of crisis. And then there are times where they bring guidance. But they are there also to encourage and to strengthen the people of God. They're ministering spirits. So in the passage of Scripture, we have an account of uh, at least two times. It's Gabriel. And we assume maybe he is the, the other uh, angels that are being talked about in our four particular pictures this morning. But you think about these angels as they, as they come. I mean, they're big. They're intimidating. They're like bright light. I mean, I would be afraid. You would be afraid. But they were ready for how they were going to be received. Because in all four instances, they say, do not be afraid. Well, you have your outline. You have your Bible open. And the first passage we want to look at is from the book of Luke. And that is, do not be afraid. God answers prayer. God answers prayer. In our passage, beginning in Luke chapter 1, verse 5, we read about Zechariah. Zechariah served as a priest during the time of King Herod. And in verse 6, we have some wonderful information about Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees, and they were blameless. But we see they have a problem in verse 7, that is, they are childless, and they had been praying for a child. But they have a problem. They do not have a child. And then in verse 8, we find that Zechariah was in one of those divisions that was ministering in Jerusalem in the temple. Now, at this time, there probably were 18,000 to 20,000 priests. And they were divided into divisions. There were 24 priests in each division. So there are hundreds of divisions. And there were probably hundreds of priests that were in the temple at this particular time ministering when Jesus was born. And so we find that the story tells us that Zechariah was one of those. He's in the temple, and by the drawing of lots, he was chosen to actually be in the holy place at the, where the incense uh, altar was and to, to light it and let the incense fill the temple. And the people were on the outside. Now, the temple was only about 75 feet wide, 100 feet long. And there was this big curtain, and behind it was the, the Holy of Holies. Only the high priest could go behind that in one time of year. But here, Zechariah is ministering, and an angel, beginning in verse 8, we read about the angel in verse 11, begins to uh, say, Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, 
standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zachariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. Now, I wonder how many times Zachariah had prayed, as well as Elizabeth, prayed for a child. How many times had Zachariah consoled his wife? We read down in verse 25 that in those times, it was a disgrace for a woman not to bear children. And so she was going through this time of, of disgrace. But then the angel appears, don't be afraid. I mean, it was obvious this man is startled. He's gripped with fear, the Bible tells us. And the angel says, don't be afraid. God has heard your prayers. This morning, I'm wondering how many of us here have come with a heavy heart. You've got a prayer. It's on your heart. Maybe it's a prayer that's been haunting you for a while and you have gone to the Lord over and over and over again. Is it about family? Is it about health? Is it about finances? Is it about a, a job? Is it, is it about relationships? Is it about somebody that you want, want to come to Jesus? You want them to be saved and have the knowledge of Christ that, that you have and the experience and relationship of Christ that, that you have in your life. In Hebrews chapter 4, we read these words from the, from the writer. He says, Therefore, since we have such a, a great high priest who has ascended in heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace uh, with confidence and so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Uh, here the Hebrew writer tells us that we have a high priest, that's Jesus. See, in Old Testament time, people had to go through a priest. The priest was like a bridge between God and man. They stood between God and man. So they helped man to enter into the presence of God. Well, when Jesus died on the cross, the, the temple veil was broken and it was split from the bottom to the top. Uh, I mean, from the top to the bottom. And no longer did man have to go through an earthly priest. We can go directly in the presence of God. But what we have there in the throne room of God is our advocate, is our high priest, is Jesus himself. And he understands us because in his humanity, he went through everything that we could ever experience in our, our life. He experienced himself. So he knows our strengths. He knows our weaknesses. And he is able to come before God and advocate on our behalf. And in verse uh, 16 of the passage we just read, we see that, that God himself then applies mercy and grace to us in our hour of need. I see that in Zechariah and Elizabeth. Here they had been praying earnestly that God would give them a child. And God chose to answer their prayer, but beyond their imagination, God had a purpose and a plan greater than just them having a child and being able to raise a child in their home. God had a greater plan for John, who would be John the Baptist, who would announce Jesus into the world. Behold, uh, here comes the, the Lamb of God who will take away the sins of the world. So that was beyond their imagination. God chose to answer their prayer. 
And God will choose to do the very same thing for us. In his sovereignty and in his providence, he will choose to answer our prayers. But it will always be according to his will. It may not always be what we pray, but it will always be what God desires for us in his sovereign plan for us. And it will always be by his mercy and his grace in the long run, meeting the need that we have in our life. Therefore, not every time that we pray for somebody that is sick, are they going to be healed. Not every time that, that we pray for a prodigal to come home, will they come home. And not every time that somebody is lost is going to come to know Jesus Christ that we may pray for. And yet in all of that, God still will be with us and through those times of prayer, through the times of anguish, whatever it may be, but in his sovereign plan, his purpose will be accomplished in all of it. So be not afraid. God answers our prayers. And then we continue on in chapter 1, and we see something else. Do not be afraid. God keeps his promises. Notice in verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy... God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at these words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not fear, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. And then in verse 32, 33, we see the promise. He will be great and will be called the son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever, and his kingdom will never end. Here was the promise, and Mary was going to be a part of God fulfilling his promise that comes from the prophets of the Old Testament that there would be a Messiah that would be born. Now, we could go back to Matthew uh, chapter 1, and we will find the same thing. Beginning in verse 20, we find the very same truth that the angel came to, uh, to Joseph and told Joseph the very same thing, that the prophecy of Isaiah 7, 14 where a virgin will conceive, and she will bring forth a son, and, and he will be called Emmanuel, God with us. And, and he will also be called Jesus, because he's going to save his people. And we see that in these accounts, that God is working out the, to fulfill the promises that he made in the, in the Old Testament. See, this Bible that we have in our hands right now, the, the Bible is full of promises. Think of the very first promise. In Genesis chapter 3, there is the prophecy about Jesus already in the book of Genesis. That he will crush the head of Satan, but his heel would be bruised, speaking about his, about his death. And that was fulfilled in Jesus. A few chapters later, we read about Noah. And there was the great flood, and God put a rainbow in the sky. And that was a promise. Every time we see the rainbow, a reminder, he will never destroy the earth by a flood again. And then a few chapters later, we read about Abraham. And where God promised Abraham, you're going to be the father of a great nation. Your nation will be my nation, will be my special people. Later on, we read about the, the prophets who said that Israel would be taken into captivity. They would be taken into slavery because of their continued disobedience 
against God. But they also said that there's going to be a day of deliverance when you will come back and you will inhabit this land. And now here in this patch of scripture, we're reminded of the promise of a Messiah that would come. In Isaiah 41.10, it says, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And these promises that we've just read about, it's not only for the, for the nation of Israel and not just the Messiah. They're personal. They're personal promises. The Bible's rich with the personal uh, promises for you and me that God will be with us, that he will strengthen us, that we will always have his presence. In Hebrews chapter 13, it says, Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So in confidence, we can say, The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Man can do nothing to us when we know that God is on our side and when we have put our lives in his hands and he will always be true to his promises. Now notice what Mary's reaction to what the angel had to say. Would you look with me there in verse, in verse 33 or 34? And she said, but how will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. Now don't misunderstand what Mary is doing here. Mary is not doubting what God can do. She's not doubting what the angel has said. She just wants to know how. How is this going to, going to happen? We don't find Mary, who may have been between the ages of 13 and 15 at this particular time, we don't find her whining. We don't find, find her saying, hey, this is going to damage my, my engagement. Uh, the, the man that I, I am legally bound to, he's going to divorce me. And worse, I, I could be stoned to death. And she's not crying because, hey, th there's going to be gossip about my sexual uh, promiscuity. No, no, she's, she's not doing any of that. There's, there's no reaction in that way. It is just simply asking, God, how's this going to be? How can I cooperate with you? How can I give you the glory? Notice the angel's response in verse 35. The, an the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So that the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who <clears throat> said, was said to be unable to conceive in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. Some of your Bibles read, nothing is impossible with God. And here is a promise that Mary is receiving. She's gotten the personal word about how this is going to happen. But then she gets this wonderful general promise that is true for every one of us. God's word never fails. Nothing is impossible with God. If God says it, you can take it to the bank. It is sure it's going to happen in our life. Do not be afraid of whatever you might be going through in your life and experiencing in your life. And what we find here in a very simple faith, Mary is trusting in God. And so she responds in verse 38, I'm the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. You say, well, how do we know? We'll look down to verse 45. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. 
and a tremendous word of surrender and commitment and trust and faith. Mary said, let it be so of me. And even Elizabeth, her cousin, affirmed that was Mary's faith. That was her accepting the promise of God. And we too need not be afraid. We can count on God's promises. And he will fulfill his word to us. Let's look at a third incident. And we go all the way back to Matthew. Matthew chapter 1. And in Matthew chapter 1, we are reminded, don't be afraid. God wants your obedience. You're familiar with Matthew 1 beginning in verse 18. And how that it very simply says, this is the birth of Jesus uh, the Messiah. How it came about. And Mary was pledged, and, and Joseph found out that she was pregnant, and he was going to put her away, which was his right in that day to put her away, to divorce her. But then the, he didn't want to do this publicly, he didn't want to hurt her, he didn't want to disgrace her, and so he was going to do it quietly. But notice in verse 20, but after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. So what we learn here is do not be afraid. God wants your obedience. And that's what we find from Joseph. He simply took the word from the angel and the command, take Mary into your home, and he did exactly that. We also find over in chapter 2, it's not the last time that he was obedient to the angel, in chapter 2 and verse 13. After the Magi left, after the, they returned to their land, uh, Joseph had a dream. And the dream was that Herod was going to be coming after Jesus. And so they were to get up immediately and leave and flee down to Egypt. And so he obeyed. We skip down to verse 19 in chapter 2. The very same thing. After Herod was dead, an angel came to a dream to Joseph and again said, I want you to get up and I want you to go back to Israel. And immediately he got up and he went back to Israel with Mary and with Jesus. We find that this man simply obeyed the word of God. This man was so in tune with heaven. He was so in tune to heaven. He heard the voice of God. Now, he may not have understood it. He may not could have explained it to you. And he may not have been very happy about it. But he trusted God and did what God asked him to do. What is it that God is asking you to do? Are you reluctant? Are you hesitant? Maybe you're like Joseph. You, you don't understand what God is asking. You, you, you can't necessarily explain what God, and you may not be happy with what God is asking you to do. But you've got to be like Joseph. You've got to do what God tells you to do. Don't be afraid. Just obey what God tells you to do. There may be somebody here, and you don't mind giving a Lottie Moon Christmas offering. But don't ask me to teach. Don't, don't ask me to do any of those things. Don't ask me to help with the children or the youth or, or anything else. Don't, don't do that. But, but I'll make sure I give to Lottie Moon. Or maybe you teach, and you're glad to teach, but don't ask me to give to Lottie Moon. <laughs> don't ask me to, to give on a regular basis. Maybe you sing. Maybe you sing in the choir, the praise team. But 
Hey, don't, don't ask me to share a personal word of testimony about Jesus. And we could go on and on how that we may do one thing. Hey, I, I'll be glad to come to church, but don't ask me to give up that pet sin that I have in my life. No, God says we're to obey him. Don't be afraid. Obey him. Whatever he is asking you to do. Maybe it is just to give. Maybe it's just to teach. Maybe it's some of these other things just to sing. But God, <laughs> he has a way of asking us to do a lot of things in life and gets us out of our comfort zones. And, and it's not only the things that we are gifted in. We ought to be exercising our spiritual gifts. But there are many things that we can use our talent and our time in the life of a church and in service. Don't be afraid. Just obey what God tells you to do. And there's one last one I want to point out to you. And that is, don't be afraid. God says you are important. Don't be afraid. God says you're important. Go back to Luke, <clears throat> in the book of Luke, chapter 2. And we begin in verse 8. And there were shepherds <clears throat> living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah. He is the Lord. Here, do not be afraid. Can you imagine what those shepherds, what they must have felt when they saw this angel? Again, angels gathering from the word of God, bright lights, a human form, intimidating maybe in size, but obviously these lowly shepherds who had settled down for the night, the sheep are now settled down, they are settled down, supper is over, and probably beginning to think about sleeping, and all of a sudden this angel appears to them. But the angel says, do not be afraid. Think about these guys, these shepherds. The first ones to receive the gospel. The first one to receive the good news that Jesus was born into the world, that the Messiah had come. And, and these were the, the lowly of society. These were the outcasts. These were unclean men. Any, anyone to deal with animals, especially the sheep and the goats, whatever, they were considered unclean. The angels didn't go to the social elite. They didn't go to the to the politically powerful. They didn't go to those that were the wealthy of Israel. No, God chose for lowly shepherds to receive the news first that the Messiah was born into the world. You know what that tells me? That every one of us is important. Every one of us. That it's not a question of our status. It's not a question of our abilities. It's not a question of, of money, power, prestige. All the things that the world judges people by is just simply that we are children of God and we are important to the kingdom of God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, we read these words. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many of you were influential. Not many of you were of noble birth. 
But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He did that with shepherds. Then he would bring, on the other extreme, he would bring wise men who intellectually, culturally, financially were well off. But then 30 years later, he would have disciples that most likely none of us would have chosen to be the, be the ones that God would use to change the world. But why were they able to change the world? Because they had been changed by him. And the scripture says, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. You are important to him. I want to close this morning with a story. It's one of my favorite stories. It's a, it's a true story that comes out of Nyack, New York. Uh, pastor H.G. Shade was the, uh, the, the pastor of the First Reformed Church in Nyack. He tells a story about a young pastor and his wife who had come to that community, and they came to help revitalize a church. This church was run down. This church had declined in attendance. The facility, the building had also deteriorated as well. But this young pastor and his wife, very enthusiastic, feeling the call of God, they began to visit. And people started coming back to the church. And they also were willing to sacrifice their financial resources. And they began to share in the financial burden of the church, the financial opportunities. And they began to refurbish the church and to renovate the facility. They were looking forward to their very first Christmas Eve service in that building. And now the crowd had begun to grow and, and the facility had now been just cleaned up and painted. And, and so they were proud to be able to share in the Christmas Eve service. But just a couple of days before Christmas Eve, a very powerful winter storm came through. A lot of rain, a lot of wind, and part of the roof was torn off just behind the platform area, just behind the pulpit area. And water began to soak the wall just behind the, the platform area and to damage some of the furniture. But what really disturbed them was the fact that the plaster on the wall became so wet that it just fell and left a gaping hole there in that back wall. And so the wife and this pastor, they, of course, were distraught by what they saw, and they thought, how, how are we going to get all this repaired and getting it looking good before the Christmas Eve service? But the pastor, and very with great spiritual insight, said, this is in the Lord's hand. He's the one that has, has been behind people coming and refurbishing, and we're just going to trust that he's going to take care of this. So that evening, happened to be that evening as they were cleaning up, and they, they went to a youth benefit auction. And at the auction, they, they saw a tablecloth, a beautiful tablecloth that came up for sale. And it was about 15 feet long. And it had beautiful embroidery around it. And when the light shone on it, it, it was just beautiful as it sparkled. 
the pastor and his wife looked at each other and knew that this is what they needed to buy. They bought it for $6.50. And they quickly rushed back to the church. And sure enough, that beautiful tablecloth with all the embroidery fit right across the gaping hole. And so they were very proud that at least this would be taken care of for the Christmas Eve service. And they believed it was their Christmas miracle. But God wasn't through yet. On Christmas Eve that morning, pastor went to the church. And as he was coming through the, to the front door, he noticed a lady standing there. She was waiting for the bus. And the lady came over and asked him, said, when was the next bus? It was, she, she was speaking in, in, in broken English. When would the next bus come? And the pastor said, they come every hour, and you just missed one, and so uh, it will be the next hour. But why don't you come inside? It was cold, and, and why don't you come inside our worship center? So she came inside, and as she began to walk down the aisle, she saw the beautiful tablecloth with the embroidery. And, and she said, where did, where did you get that? And he explained about the auction and that it's hiding a gaping hole. And the closer she got to it, she says, you're not going to believe this in her broken English. You're not going to believe this. That's my tablecloth. That's mine. And she began to describe, and as she got closer, all the little detail. And she went on to explain that when she and her husband, they had to leave Germany because of the Hitler and what was going on with Hitler, they went to Vienna, Austria. And there he gave, her husband gave her the tablecloth. And, and then when Hitler invaded Austria, they, they had to leave. They just felt like they had to flee. And, and her husband sent her on to Switzerland. And he was going to follow behind her. But he never came. And she made her way to the United States. And word came that her husband had died in a concentration camp. And she was explaining all of this. And so the pastor offered, well, you know, you're welcome to, to have it back. No, 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 it, it's yours. In fact, it's God's. And so they finished the conversation. She went out and she caught her bus. But God wasn't through yet. That night at the Christmas Eve service, there was an old German clock repairman who came and he saw that. He walked up and looked at it. He said, that's my wife's tablecloth. I gave that to her in Vienna. And so the wheels began to turn in that pastor's mind. This woman had come to that part of the city because she, had, she was answering an advertisement about being uh, a housekeeper and a guardian for a girl, and they had decided not to use her because of her broken English and, and her age. And so the pastor got the newspaper, found out the advertisement, called, got her name, got her address. And that night, he reunited a husband and a wife that had been apart for a couple of decades. And all of what I've just shared in this story from God's word, it applies. Don't be afraid. God answers prayers prayers of a pastor and his wife for that church do not be afraid God keeps his promises God's church will always be triumphant and that little church was in victory because of what God was doing through his congregation do not be afraid 
just obey. And the people were obeying. The pastor was obeying. And do not be afraid. You're important to God. A wife, a husband, separated through a couple of decades, but brought back together. In God's providence, God's sovereignty. Whatever it is that may be fear on your heart, don't be afraid. God is with us. God will be there for us. He will never leave us. He'll never forsake us. That's his promise. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for beautiful stories that bear out the truth. And you are a great, great God, an awesome God. We don't need to be afraid. You're going to answer prayers. We don't need to be afraid. You keep your promises. We are not to be afraid because all you want is just obedience. And we do not need to be afraid because we are important to you. Father, we come with various needs this morning in this congregation. Here at the Christmas season, our hearts are sensitive because of our Savior. So as you have spoken this morning, simply through your word, in a story that illustrates that you are God of miracles, that you still want to do that for us today. It may not always be the miracle that we're looking for, specifically, but you are God of miracles. May we continue to trust in you, whatever it may be. Thank you for Christmas. Thank you for a Savior. And Father, if there is one here this morning who has yet to put their faith and trust and surrender their lives into the hands of this precious Lord of ours who was born of a virgin, came into our world as a baby, lived for 30 years, understanding all of our needs, but went to the cross to die for us. May this be the day they come to faith. And we pray this in his name. Amen.